It's Marnie with Maxim and Marnie. Maxim is a synonym for truth, and we try to tell people's truth and their story at our church, Our Savior's Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois. Pastor Brian is here as my Hello. fellow producer, but his microphone's down. <laughs> so if he says things, I'll try to translate because he always says good things. And today, our guest is Allison Brenna. Hello, hello. Hi. So I was just saying I don't know anything about her or her story, but I know she has a good story. So I know that you're in love with Graham, and I know Graham because so he's right? grown up at this church. So where do you stem from? Um, so going back to where I grew up, you mean? Um, I grew up in Texas, not from these parts. Um, you have no accent. Yeah. I. You know what? So many people have told me that, and someone actually told me they were disappointed that I didn't have an accent. Um, I I don't know how that happened. Um, I actually was born in Minnesota, Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, and which is a hilarious connection to Graham because he was also born in Minnesota. Um, but I went to Texas eventually with my family. My dad is a surgeon, and he started a practice down in Texas. What kind of surgeon? He's a Mohs skin cancer surgeon. A mole? Mohs. M-O-H-S, Mohs Skin Cancer Surgeon. And what's that mean? It's a really specific kind of skin cancer surgery um, where they actually, like, shave apart pieces of your skin and see if you still have skin cancer. So he can actually tell you before you leave the office if you have skin cancer or not still. I feel like I should go see him where his hair. Now, he retired, so you can't see him. But yes, he retired. He, that's what he did. Um, but so we moved to Texas, which is probably like the one of the best places to be a Mohs skin cancer surgeon oh, the because sun. there's lots of sun and people. And where in the Texas? Um, we were first in San Antonio, um, which so was really south, really south. Um, he was actually in the Air Force, um, so we were in San Antonio at the Air Force. He was working at the Air Force base, and then. We were living there, and then he started a practice in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So how old were you when you moved to San Antonio? I was, what I, I think I was five. And then Dallas? And then Dallas, it was third grade. So what's third grade? You would Nine. Nine. And okay. then how long were you in Dallas? All the way through high school. And you don't say y'all? I try not to. Oh, okay. It's not that I'm against it. It just makes me sound more Texan, I guess. Uh, I, yeah, it's I guess that's the only thing. Like, sometimes I pause myself and I'm like, y'all, it just comes out, but I try not to. Hmm, how interesting. Yeah. So your dad was in the military. How did that affect growing up? Not really, as I remember, because he was in the Air Force and he was a doctor on the Air Force base. So... He And the type of doctor that he was, being a dermatologist in the Air Force, it's not like we were traveling around for him to do his job. Like, it wasn't a typical military upbringing, as what I remember. Yeah. yeah. And who, did you have siblings? Yes, I have one sister. And is she older or younger? She's older. Sarah. And where does she live? She lives in, she lives outside of Austin. She lives in a really small town called Wimberley. And what is your relationship like? Great. You're Absolutely. really close. I like, I mean, you can see me like beaming. She's yeah. like. She smiled really big. She's, but then I was like, is there a story? Or is it positive? Oh, I, don't know. I know. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> it's so weird. Could have um, gone either way. She's like, she's literally my best friend. Like I could, she's just, um, 
I've told her that, but I don't know if she really like can hear that, but she really is. Um, she's a great person. She helps me grow so much. Um, but she lives in Wimberley and I haven't actually been to Wimberley because they moved during COVID. So I haven't, I haven't actually seen where they're at now, but they used to live in Austin and I love Austin and it's so like perfect for her. Like, um, because why? Because she's so into like cultural stuff, Mm -hmm. like, um, music and the arts and she's a, French major and she she's just very like I just see her as a very worldly person like she likes to learn about stuff um so for her Austin was great because it was kind of like quirky and like you could investigate all kinds of different things and especially the music yeah like the music and the um and the arts was huge yeah um and how old are you I am 35. I have to do the math. All How the time. old is she? She's 38. So you were three years apart. Yes. And does she have children? Yes. And is she married? Yes. And do you like him? Yes. <laughs> That's good. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. He is, he's great. His name's Sean. So Sean and Sarah. And they have three kids. So this is kind of funny. Um, they have three kids that are also all S's. But what's funny is when Sarah married Sean, they both had the same first initials, S-M. So they, and she got married to him, so she took his last name. And so they sign all of their cards S-M-C to the fifth because they're all S-M-Cs. That's cute. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. We don't have a story like that, but yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> Wait, so what are their kids' names? Seth, Sage, and Sky. Oh, Sage is hot. Sky's yeah. cute too. Is that yeah. a girl? Sky? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cute. That's mm-hmm. cute. Okay, so you're in Dallas. You're yeah. in high school. Yeah. And you graduate high school and you're like, huh, what am I going to do now? Get out. Oh. That was my thing. So you were, you had no identity in Texan. No, I did. Um, but I really had a hard senior, maybe junior year. But senior year was hard. I had like a lot of falling out with friends. Um, so I was like, where can I go to get as far away and like start my own and be my own person? It really had nothing to do with it, it really was a friend issue. Like that's when everything seemed to crumble apart with friends. And it, it's a pivotal time. I mean, it's at the end of this epic part of your life. Um, so I said, where can I go? And I was like, where would my parents be okay with me going really far away? They're alma mater. So I sure enough did. <laughs> Packed up and I didn't even see the school and I just went to IU and I loved it. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. Bloomington. Yeah, Bloomington. We just visited last April oh, for the first time. And it's fantastic. Yeah, yes. we have a bunch of um, families and students that go there from yeah. here. So you went there for four years. Yes. And you studied what? Um, so I was at the School of Public and Environmental Affairs, SPIA studying um, management. So it was like nonprofit government management. I really wanted to do business, but I did not want to be as cutthroat as Kelly Business School. So I went to SPIA and took that route. And how did the friends and relationships go there? Um, College friends, you mean? Great. I have a lot of college friends still from IU. Um, I actually talked to some of them earlier this week um some of them were in my wedding um just I was in a sorority there so I was really connected 
to them socially. Um, we just built great memories and and do you look back with any kind of perspective about the friendships in high school or like do you feel like oh that was just those people or or just immaturity or like I think it was I think it was immaturity um but typical immaturity um some of it I think got a little extreme but I think some of it's just stereotypical, like people don't understand how if you say something, it's going to affect someone else and make them feel about themselves. Um, and I was immediately kind of outcasted from some of the people in my friend group, um, which now looking back on it, I don't even know what our foundation of our friendship was, if that mm. makes sense. Um, and so now my foundation of my friendships, like with my college friends, is so much more authentic. But I think we were at a different point of maturity mm-hmm. to be able to handle that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then after IU, mm-hmm. your parents were like, awesome, still in Texas. You want to come home? Uh, so my parents were divorced. Okay. My parents are divorced. So my mom was actually up here. Um, so wait, when did that happen? My parents got divorced junior year of high school. So around the same time so, as all this yeah. uh, drama with my friends. But – Really, the drama with my friends was kind of really pivotal. Like, it was kind of just like the icing on the cake. Like, it was just too much to handle. Um, But, yeah, they did get divorced junior year. Were you shocked? No. Um, We had conversations years prior that there was possibility of that. Um, And they were working through their own things. Um, So when it happened, I was kind of at a point of acceptance. And I think, too, you're at an age where, like, you really don't grasp. Like, you're so, yes, you're so self involved and you don't really get, like, what it all means. Yeah. You know? Um, But what I did know was that they really loved me. They really cared about me. They were still going to be invested in me as a person, Um, which in that time of being so self-involved was what really mattered. You I know? mean, yay then. And, and as a parent, now looking back on it, I'm like, that's what's really important mm-hmm. is to know that you really cared about me and you were going to help foster my individual growth, you know, and support I me. I mean, bravo to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So wait, so then your mom moves from Texas? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so she, <laughs> um, because my, so my mom has a really close sister that lives um, in Aurora. Well, so we all live on the same street. <laughs> um, Wait, right now? Yeah, right now we do. <gasps> um, so can we bring the Wimberley town up here? Right. We want to. Yeah, Sarah, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> so we would love to. Um, but so my mom, when she, when she got divorced from my dad, she stayed in Texas through me graduating high school because for so many reasons, but I think one of the reasons is that it helped me stay at the same high school because she taught at my district. So even though we moved around, I could still go to my same high school. Um, So then my mom moved up here. She got a teaching job in Wheaton um, in the same district that her sister taught at. And it's, I mean, it's really kind of hilarious. We all live on the same street now. We live on the same cul-de-sac. And it's... It's great. I mean, that's we're like very, a dream. Yeah, it, we're a very close knit family, but like also 
really understand like boundaries of, okay, you have your time, like we're going to have our time. But when we come together, it's great. It's like a block party. Oh, it's I wonderful. Love that. Yeah. That is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And did either one of them find a relationship after? Yes, both of them. Yeah. And how's that for you? Well, so. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So my my mom is remarried. Um, she is married to a man named Jack. Um, so Cynthia and Jack. And um, they're great. Um, Jack is fantastic. He is, I tell him all the time, like he's a bonus dad. He mm. is just, just always beaming. Um, so I really like spending time with him and like seeing him around my kids. Um, my dad was remarried. He is now recently divorced. Um, but what I think is a beautiful thing is seeing how much growth has come out of relationships and learning about yourself, um, and where he's at as a person now. Um, and is he down by your sister? So he is in Granbury, which is outside of Dallas, Fort Worth, not so it's several still, hours. Yes. Several. I mean, Texas is huge. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's still a ways away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a good relationship with both of them. Yes. So that's so nice. Yes, for sure. Um, so then you, so yeah, so when you graduate IU, mm-hmm. your mom is up here at that point? Yes. And so then you say, I'll go there. Uh, kind of. Okay, go. Um, so at some point this is all going to come up, but um, it was – Senior year, I decided to go into AmeriCorps. Oh, I wanted to do that. Did you? Oh. Didn't. See? Didn't. Um, yeah, I was, like, scared of the Peace Corps, but I was like, Same. okay, I want to do AmeriCorps. Like, I'll still be yes. on like in America, and I'll be okay. So I did AmeriCorps. Um, I was in – I was doing research um, for – the homeless population in Indianapolis through the School of Public Affairs at IUPUI. So it was kind of funny that I ended up there because I already had studied. Wait, let's back up. So yeah. America, so Peace Corps is an organization where you commit, I think it's two to three years. I think mm-hmm. I was scared of that because I mm-hmm. actually even got yes. the application. Two years. Mm-hmm. And you go and you serve mm-hmm. abroad in a country, usually in a country that's um, third world, yeah. and you're serving. Um, AmeriCorps, you serve for one year? You know, I don't know because I didn't finish it. Oh, okay. Keep going then. Well, I was just <laughs> wanted to give the background in case people weren't familiar. Yeah. So AmeriCorps, I think, I think you're supposed to serve for like one year you commit, but I it's think within like, I want to say a year. Like I'm legit. Like I did it. I started it. Um, I like that you even started yeah, it. Yeah. I, I filled out the application. I, I actually feel like pretty proud that I did it. Um, but I was really sick. I, um was struggling a lot and my whole my whole family knew it all my friends knew it um and so I ended up leaving while I was signed up for this which I'm a if anyone knows anything about me I'm a very like dedicated driven person um will stick with whatever I'm committed to but I was so incredibly unhealthy that stick with um, an eating disorder. So oh. I left AmeriCorps to come back, and that's when I came back. And I came back, and I lived with my mom. Did you do treatment? Several times, even before then. So when did you first start dealing with the eating disorder? 
when did I struggle with it or when did I deal when with it? When did it begin? Um, probably 2005. So right when I went to college. Right around so the time post, I went to college. like the toxic friendship yes. thing. Yes. And then you went to college and do you, can you identify why? Yeah, there's a lot of things. Um, so I was dating someone in the military and when I was dating him, he went to Iraq and I kind of didn't know what to do with myself. And I had another friend that also dated someone in the military that went to Iraq and she kind of told me like some triggering things that like I won't repeat. Um, and I was like, oh, I should do these things. Like this is how you take care of yourself, quote unquote. Um, so I started doing those things and it kind of, it quickly became like a coping, well, it was, it was a coping mechanism. So it was never about your body. It was always about this sense of control when you didn't have any control? Um, It was about my body. It was. But it was the fear of what would happen to my body. Not actually, wow, I, because I, I come from, on both sides of my family, I come from very fit, very healthy people. Um. But it was kind of like, oh, this could happen? Like, but I didn't have any grounding for that. Mm -hmm. But it was this fear. Um, So, yeah. And so then that's something that you have going to have to battle your whole life, I feel like. Because that's what's hard about eating disorders is it's not like you just stop having alcohol with other addictions. Or you just stop smoking. Or you just stop... Yeah. An abusive relationship where you just, yeah, you have to eat. You do. Um, But it changes. It changes. Um, I would not be here if, I mean, I I think I know that's why I told you I wouldn't come on before. Um, (gasps) It wasn't that I was struggling. It was just I wasn't fully confident in my recovery yet. Now I, I mean, like I told you a couple weeks ago, I was like, I'm scared. Like, I don't know that I can do Uh... this. Um, But it wasn't. It was more like, wow, this is a big, this is a big step for me. Um, but I'm confident in where I'm at. Um, and I'm fortunate to be there. Um, so it's different. Recovery is different. My journey has not been linear. Um, it's kind, it's very all over the place. Um, but I'm at a place where I have, I just celebrated four years of my last day in treatment and it, it was so weird. It was after you had asked me to come on and after I agreed. And Graham and I were talking and we were like, when was the last time you went to treatment? And I was like, oh, well, it was before Haley, but like, I don't really know. I'm not kidding you. Like two days later, I get on my MyChart app. I'm like, when was the last time I was in treatment? It was that day, like that specific day that I opened up the chart. And then I look later in the day and it was three years later or one year later that we announced we were pregnant with Haley. So it was four years to the day that was my last day in treatment ever. And then three years to the day that I announced I was pregnant with Haley to the world. So it's crazy. So you feel really good. I feel really good. Yeah. And what would you say to people who are dealing with that? Because I feel like I follow somebody and she just announced like that she relapsed or. Sure. And struggled with that. And so, like, having the grace for people to know that, like, that's also a thing that could happen and that you're still going to then catch oh, yeah. it quicker. And Yeah. Or do it's, you do treatment, like, where you meet with somebody still? Or how do you create? 
it differs, right? Um, I've been so fortunate to have a great support system through all of it. I mean, my journey is not just what I've told you so far. I mean, it's it gets crazy. But I was able to acknowledge like, okay, I'm back at this point. Like I've, I've hit this point again. Um, and I had the support to say, okay, okay, you, you hit this point. Let's look at what's next. Like, how are we going to work on this? What do you mean? Like you hit a point where you're like, oh, getting into bad habits, yeah. doing bad choices. And so I've hit that point where I recognize that that's not where I can, mm-hmm. that's not where I can be. Yeah. And so then I tell people. People knew. People I mean, recognize. people know. I think that's the other thing is that a lot of people, when they're struggling, they think people don't know. Oh, people know. Like people close to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're aware. I mean, it, And yeah. so how does Graham handle that as a partner where I think of moments where I'm vulnerable mm-hmm. or weak in my like in my insecurities? And if Brett were yeah. to point that out, I would not handle that graciously, I don't think. I can't say that I handled it graciously uh-huh. at okay. that point. Um, but he will have the guts or the bravery to say, oh, yeah. hey, but red thing, flag. Yeah, or... but one thing that we always, like, talk about now even is how I was so, like, brutally honest. Like, I would call myself out <laughs> because I just – I'm such a honest person. I mean, as tacky as that sounds kind of, like, I'm very – forthcoming and mm-hmm. um it almost felt like okay I I don't want to keep isolating myself I don't want to keep this wall up that's beautiful so I would be like yeah I'm I'm struggling right now or I wouldn't even I wouldn't say it that way it would just be so clearly obvious um and I think there were points where Graham got like exhausted from and any of my support network not even just Graham I think there were points where they were like whatever like she she's at a point like she's not ready to change or she's not getting it yet um but I still would come around like I would still engage in those conversations which is not typical always uh, yeah mm-hmm. um what would you say if if this is a bad question just say move on but That's like fine. is there a gift from having this struggle and this heaviness that you've had to deal with that you Mm -hmm. now can say this has given me this because I feel like you're so articulate and self-aware right now when you're talking so much insight okay like I I think if if people gave themselves that opportunity to go to therapy to delve into the hard stuff um you would get so much self-awareness um now when I talk to people and I share things, I just – I feel like relieved. I feel some sense of relief because it previously had been so pent up, you know. Um, so I think it's letting yourself express that and acknowledging what a gift that is, that you've gotten to a point where you can share your struggles. Oh, I think that's like the only way I know how to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that you're like that. Yeah, I love that you. you're on this other side of this experience. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Is there anything that you would say to young men or women that are struggling right now in that? Or was there a, a statement or a perspective that gifted you? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think the biggest thing for me was to continue to share, to continue to reach out. Um, you're not alone. There's so many support networks um, that unfortunately people feel so intimidated by or scared or fearful of what it'll be like to be vulnerable and share. Um, but if they open their heart up and share a little bit, they'll get that sense of relief a little bit. And then I feel like it's kind of like uh, such a release, you know? Yeah. That, and then you can help. grow. Yeah. And you can grow and you can um, experience life on the other side. I mean, there's so much more to life and it doesn't seem like it in the moment, even, even when it's getting a little bit better. It seems like, oh, this will just be like, I'm just going to have to keep doing this recovery thing forever. And like, it's going to be work. No, like, trust me, like, I enjoyed my food today and I didn't think about it. And like, I could do me and laugh and smile and not, you know, focus on all that. That's so amazing. I'm really impressed. Thank you. Yeah. Me too. Because <laughs> I feel like this is a yeah. really difficult road. It is a very difficult road. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Pastor Brian's talking. I, I'm just going to say, and I know that there's always going to be work to do, yeah. but when when Graham shared your slight, you know, your questions about today, I know the life you have yeah. right now with your family, and that's what, like, I know you'll get to that, but, like, this is a resurrection story in many ways, because yeah. I've gotten to journey with your family uh, since my time here, and I just so much has changed yeah and and so I think you've been given this awesome opportunity and I see you running with it yeah I I hope so I mean I I think I I'm uh eager to run with it I'm eager to see how I can help people see what my story can do so is that part of your like rehabilitation is then serving others and talking to other people that are struggling are you like in um, that it's an, kind it's of a an group option no? oh yeah. yeah I mean it's an option um it's funny I actually reached out to my therapist I haven't talked to her in a long time and I reached out to her before coming on here and I was like I'm just like feeling a little like this is a lot and she was like I want you to like share your story like just express and she was like and pour it out like you you can share and I I think um my hope because I told her I said you know I have a lot of people on my recovery team that I don't work with anymore that want me to speak that but I said but this is the first step this is the first like Okay, I'm opening up and some of you I'm going to see on Sunday and like, I don't know if you've listened to this or not. And like, I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah. I'm going to own that this is my story, you know. Well, yeah. let's be honest. No one's coming on Sunday. It's Labor Day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Ryan just said nobody's coming. It's Labor Day weekend. Um, Allison, oh, I feel so blessed that you shared this vulnerable with us. I, I think this is where true connection and true change can happen and that's really beautiful so thank you for sharing that yeah absolutely so you are in the midst of that you have to forget your obligation to america Corps to honor right. your body and your health right and so you come home to your mom and that's where we left you with this yeah um, so i 
had kind of an interesting um, year that year. I went to treatment and then was feeling a lot better. Um, How long is that treatment? Oh, it all varies. Like, I don't remember specifically, but um, it just kind of depends on how long they... But, like, more than two weeks. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like months. Like, six, six weeks to a few months. A few months. Uh, yeah, it kind of depends. Um, so I started getting, like, part-time jobs around here because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I always had in the back of my mind social work, but I wasn't really sure if I was ready for that. So then... Interestingly enough, I got a job at a church in the area and um, worked as like an administrative position in the church. And then I met Graham. How did you meet Graham? Oh, back up, back up. Yeah. So I, um, it was kind of funny. So I was back with my high school friends, quote unquote friends, and I um, there was this person that I had dated for a long time and one of his friends told me, you know, you should really like try to venture out from dating this guy. Like it's just not the right fit for you. So you should try getting Wait, on. Wait, how did the high school friends from Texas be up in here? Oh, because I was still stuck on this guy. Uh-huh. So so I went, I, I went and saw this group of friends and one of his buddies, you know, quote unquote friends, <laughs> says you should really try to meet other people because yeah, this just, it's just not a right fit for you. Mm-mm. So I um, followed his advice, and he said, you know, you should really get on Match. And I was like, what? Like, I'm not. I can meet How someone. old are you at this point? I was fresh out of college. So yeah. So I was 20, 21, 22. 22? Yeah. Um, so I get on – I'm starting to get on Match. I'm, like, typing in my information, and Graham pops up. I'm like, interesting. And I'm, like, reading his – because Match does this. It's a little, like, trick they do. They, like, start telling you about this person that would be a great match. And I'm like, okay, great. I just want to meet Graham. Like, I don't want to meet anybody else. So I'm like, okay, I'll fill out this silly thing. Oh, like they tease you with oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before As you're you've out committed. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, exactly. well, now I just would like to so buy. I'm, I don't yeah, need oh, to shop. Yeah, so then I'm like, I'll pay for three months because it's, like, the lowest membership, whatever. So I pay for this three-month membership. And they say, well, you can get out in three days and, you know, you'll get all your money back. So I fill this out, you know, like late at night, and Graham doesn't send me a message immediately, Pardon which is me. totally Pardon ridiculous. Me. It is. So oh. the next morning, I'm like, forget this. This guy didn't message me. I got a couple other yeah. messages, but like, I Graham didn't message me. Ew. Right. So I'm like, get off of this thing. So I get off this thing, but Match is smart, right? So Graham sends me a message because my profile is still there. And it emails me and says, well, if you want to see Graham's message, you have to re-up. Oh, doctor. So I re-up. Yeah, and this is like ridiculous. How long? How long were you waiting? For like a time? day. This is like oh, the next day. day. I'm impatient. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would be too. Yeah, more than twenty. Yeah, hours. exactly. <laughs> and which was not acceptable. No. So I um, rejoin match, and we start talking. And because I only wait. So what was the message? Like, yep, I saw you. You're I don't even this. remember. I mean, cute. it was something. I think it was to probably like totally simple Graham just like hi like, yeah how are you like yeah I, you know um and so we start talking and I think we both figured out that like if we well we both knew that if we stopped our subscription to match within a week we would get our money back but we were like so in the throes of this and whatever and we were connecting and and then 
we literally decided like day eight of me having this membership. So I've told him ever since then that he owes me like three months absolutely. of membership worth of yeah, dates. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's how we met match. Wait, so then like you're like, let's just get off and exchange phone numbers. Uh no. Like we kept talking through match well, we got each other's phone numbers like pretty quickly. And my mom, she was kind of funny. She was like, you know, you should really like meet him for coffee. And so I'm like, I'm interning at the time. That's a whole nother story. But I'm interning at the time and I'm like talking to my coworkers that are all therapists and I'm like, should I really be like just meeting this guy for coffee? Like, I feel like it's so much more, but I don't know. Like, is that awkward? And they're like, just go for it. So sure enough, we just went to dinner and had a great time. And then the rest is history. I mean, we, we didn't stop. We, it was really ridiculous. Like we didn't stop seeing each other like every day for until he went on a church trip, oh my actually. Gosh, I love that. Yeah. So we were smitten. And so how long did you date? Um, before what? Before you getting were married? Engaged. Oh, before being engaged. So we started dating actually today, 12 years ago. So September Happy 1st. dozen date. Yes, dozen date. Um, and... I mean, like eight days too late. But right. And then we got... Um, and then we got engaged... In January. Nice. So quick. Um, no, no, I don't know. There's and no then formula. It was great. And then we were engaged for a long time. We didn't get married until October of 2012. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. so backing up, internship. Yeah. So I ended up getting my – I ended up going to school right after I met Graham. I started in school to get my master's in social work because um, I was like, I am recovered, like I'm on this journey, I'm going to help people. And I studied social work at Aurora University, um, specialized in addictions counseling. Um, really did not have a vision for working with eating disorders, but really wanted to work with addictions. I always wanted to work with addictions. Um, so yeah, I did my master's. I um, interned at a few places, domestic violence shelter, actually at an eating disorder place, ironically enough, and then at a addictions treatment facility. So what do you do now? Um, now I'm an intake coordinator at a therapy practice. So it's all a big mess in between. But um, it was probably, well, it was 2016. I mean, I shouldn't say probably, like it was April of 2016. I had a really big accident, and I was actually a therapist at the time. I was a therapist at uh, a local hospital um, doing addictions treatment, but I had a really big accident and had this kind of pivotal life-changing... Like car? No. Um, definitely eating disorder-related accident. I fell off an elliptical um, and uh, had a brain injury. and From the fall? Yeah. It was bad. It was really bad. You you did not have anything wrong with your brain. No. You she, fell off the elliptical. Yeah. You banged your head. Yeah. So exercise was Correct. part of, but I shouldn't say these things because sometimes they could be triggers, so I don't no, want to say that. No, it's fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what so you would over-exercise. Like you would, is that um, called like anorexic exercise? Yeah. So, um, so technically, some some people, some diagnosis would say like, there was an anorexic piece, but then there can be um, over-exercising that can be considered like kind of a bulimic piece. Mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm, kind of different. Mm -hmm. It gets complicated. But no, so what's interesting is that a lot of people 
when they hear my story, they think, oh, she was over-exercising. She fell off because she was, like, so whatever. No, I had, like, started dabbling in other stuff where I was using diet pills and had taken way too many that day and hadn't eaten enough, hadn't drank enough water. Um, and thank God, because I think it was like a week prior, Graham and I had talked about getting an elliptical for the house, even though he was totally like against me exercising to the point that I was, we were kind of like, this is getting like ridiculous, like how much money we're spending on a gym and stuff. Um, and we were just like, oh, convenience, whatever. But thank God, because Graham was working up, um, in the, near the city kind of, um, and was, you know, an hour away from me and I fell in a gym um, and, you know, the ambulance was called and thank God my mom lives on the same street, which was really close to the gym. Um, and then they took me to Rush Copley and flew in the surgeon from Rush in the city. Flew him in on yeah. a helicopter. And yeah. so <laughs> what was wrong with your brain? So I had a traumatic brain injury. I actually had a subdural hematoma. So I had blood on the brain. Um, so you were unconscious. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And how long were you unconscious? Don't know. Really how don't long know. was she unconscious? Can I can I just say I I was here at a meeting and I get this text from Graham mm-hmm. saying I need you at Rush Copley. I have never made it there that fast in my life. Yeah. I think I made it. I have no clue actually how many minutes it was. Yeah. Like I got goosebumps because. You're so young, and yeah. this has happened to. I, I hear Graham, the fear that's going on in Graham, mm-hmm. and I, I just made it there. But yeah, we. I mean, like she was back. They they flew the surgeon from the city out mm-hmm. here to perform the procedure right away. Yeah, um, but you don't know how long you were unconscious because oh, no. you were unconscious. But like yeah. days, weeks. Oh no, um, no. So what's really crazy is like. The first thing I remember, which would not have been that incredibly that long. Um, the first thing I actually really remember, though, and I, I truly believe this is a God thing, is um, being served communion in the hospital. Like, that's the only thing I really remember from being in the ICU of the hospital. Because that was hard for you to put in your mouth? Oh, or... no. I think it's – I truly think it's a God thing. Like, I was connecting again okay. and being, like, kind of regrounded. I mean, it wasn't – not that it was actually hard to do, but, like, I was actually awake again. Like, and – Alert. Yeah. Yeah. Alert enough. In yeah. your senses. Yeah. And so then how long did that take to recover from? Depends on, like, the term of recovery. So um, I was in the neuro ICU for a week. Then I was in the rehab unit of the hospital at Rush for a week, I believe. And then I did a lot of outpatient uh, care to, like, get back all of my speech therapy, physical therapy, all that, occupational therapy. Okay, wow. So now does the hearing aid have to do with that? Yeah. Okay, wait. So yeah. sorry. We started we all, we should always be recording, but we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Wait. So then why is that why you have a hearing aid? Yeah. So um for those of you that don't know, um I just got a hearing aid yesterday, which is like incredible. Um so I was actually I actually had a surgery on my ear because the only thing that I actually the only bone that I actually broke in the accident was a bone in my ear from falling so hard. So 
they actually did a surgery to repair that in August. So the actual accident was in April. Then I had a surgery in August to um, fix the bone in my ear. Um, well, the surgeon told me if the surgery doesn't work, like if you can't hear that well, a hearing aid won't work. And I was like, okay. So after the surgery, they tell me everything worked. And I'm like, great, awesome. Well, a couple weeks later, I can clearly tell that it didn't work. Um, and I was not, it's so funny. My, my dad told me a little while ago, he was like, people that are healthy take care of their health. I was clearly not healthy and I wasn't taking care of my health. So I didn't go back. I didn't go back to this. E&T. Because you're saying like of a like old habits. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. just like, whatever. This is what I'm stuck with. I'm just going to deal with it. And I'm just going to take whatever is handed to me and not try to push through and find better answers for myself. So yeah, like a couple months ago, I was like, Graham, we've, you know, gotten this far. Like I might as well just see if there's something they can do. So sure enough, I go to a different ENT and they do another hearing test and they're like, oh yeah, hearing aid will work. And it was amazing when I got to try a hearing aid and I was like, wait, I can hear again? Like this ear that because it was for six really, years? really low. Oh yeah. I mean, wait. I, so yeah. the fall happened six years ago. Yeah, twenty sixteen, April twenty sixteen. And then you recover, like you said, on when you recovered. But like physical, you recovered. But then were you still having to then recover from like why you even had that accidentally yes. happen? Yes. So I didn't go back to the same behaviors, but I totally did not accept recovery. Like I remember. I remember my treatment team saying to me, you know, you should really go back to a hospital setting and get eating disorder treatment um, at the time of the accident. But I was like, I I have to, there was so much else yeah, to I've do. Yeah, I've got to walk. Yeah, I've, I've got gotta to learn talk. to, yeah. I've got to learn to do all this other life living stuff. Um, so I didn't go and instead I kind of piecemealed together this treatment of outpatient care, which helped I mean I I definitely I have one of the best teams I I can't speak highly enough about them um but it it just wasn't sufficient but I also wasn't at a place I mean it's incredible because you you have that kind of story but you still weren't at that place like it still wasn't rock bottom for me yeah I don't like it when people try to tell someone that that's their rock bottom yeah because I think if you know someone in recovery it's it's not for the outside to choose exactly and it wasn't even I think I was too burnt out at that point like I do think it was a rock bottom for sure but I was too burnt out to even have the energy to invest in myself totally so yeah I get that it just wasn't the right time yeah and so then you had to still work on yourself with that. Yeah. And now you see a therapist. Not that often. But you have someone. Yeah, I have someone. She's fantastic. She um, is my go-to. I mean, I like I said before coming on the podcast, I was like, I just need to touch base with her. I called her up and I said, hey, can you get me in sometime? And I told her, I said, I probably only need to talk to you once. I just need to like have a sounding board. And it was great. It was so freeing to be like – wow, I know I need this. Mm-hmm. And it's not even like I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I need someone to talk to. What is some things that you were saying, like you're so self-aware and like mm-hmm. knowing yourself and that self-identity, I think is so there's so much power in that. Mm-hmm. What are some things or tools that you could say that like all of us could use or? 
like what questions did she ask you or what process or what I think it's finding the person so I don't think it was necessarily a specific question but I think it's finding the person that you connect with that you can share freely with and I think that's why I know that's why I'm so passionate about what I do now as a job um, because my job is to fit people with a clinician at our practice. Okay. Um, so could you find someone for Brett and I? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Anytime. 22 years. I want to communicate better. <laughs> yeah. Communication's key. And I think like what I find to be so important is like, do you connect with your clinician? Do you connect with your therapist? Um, and if it's not your therapist, like if it's not a therapist, is there a member in your support community that you can reach out to um, that you really can share openly with um, the communication piece is key. I don't think there's one thing in particular that my therapist asks me, but she creates such an environment that's so inviting and comfortable for me that I just feel freely to share that information. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I we had we went to marriage therapy. I think I in like ten years, and some <laughs> of the things that they said were such amazing takeaways for me. Yeah. Like one of them being like, "Yep, go to bed angry, Marnie, because you need to stop talking, and he yeah. needs a minute to process." Yeah, and like I know, like whenever you go to wedding showers, they're always like, "Don't go to bed angry," You're and like, like Wrong. the op- well for just for me, <laughs> for you. it yeah. was the opposite because exactly. my husband talks less, I talk more, and we had to stop so he could process, and yeah. I could just stop, and everything is better in the morning. Exactly. Um, so yeah. that was powerful for me. And then the other one was like, he doesn't have to be your everything. Like if you want to process or talk about things, you can talk to your best friend, you can talk to your mom and he doesn't yeah. need to hold that space. Yeah. And if he's not holding that space, it's not a less of a partner. And mm-hmm. I just found that to be extremely helpful. Yeah. And I think, I guess like kind of coming back to your question, there is one thing that she frequently says to me, which is, something that she recommended before coming on the podcast, which was to kind of let go of that need to know or that need to control. Because people were asking me before the podcast because I was, like, stressing. They were like, do you know what she's going to ask you? Maybe you should ask her what she's going to ask you. (laughs) And and I was – and so I – so I – called my therapist and I was like what do you think like should I should I ask her should I tell her blah, blah, blah. she was like I dare you to just let it go like just express and let it be as oh it is oh my gosh yeah. I'm so proud of you <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say this. I dare anyone who wants to come on Marnie's <laughs> podcast because you can make all the assumptions that you want. I think Marnie's like Oprah, and like she brings. She did out, raise me. I, okay, she great. Did, yeah. Well, like Last the, key kid. like what do you say? Like these questions. Yeah. Like she, she knows what she's doing. She, she figures. Does. No, like, she's I don't. Smarter it's than amateur me. hour. I'm, I'm interviewing for my doctorate. You know, and and I, I have so much to learn. That's why I like that. Yeah, the yeah, podcast is back. It's a beautiful thing. I love it that it's back too. It's been fun. I love that she said that to you. Yeah, she she told me. She said I just she said I just kind of dare you to like let go and like yeah. Because why? Part of that I well, I don't know, maybe well, I'm interpreting it's a lot about control. But like yeah. I think in well, you tell me if I'm wrong. But to yeah. me let go because she knows you can trust yourself. Yeah. Because she knows you have your voice and you have mm-hmm. this voice. And to me it's almost like you're okay. Yeah. Like you can lean into you. You're yeah. enough. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think she would say that. She has a different approach, so yeah. she doesn't. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. um 
I think she would say that to me. I think she, I hope she's um, really proud of what she's supported and helped grow. Oh my gosh, how can she not look at you? Yeah, yeah. you are so interesting. And you're just this quiet person in church. I would have never known this. Well, it's like it's like now I'm like picturing you standing there with your babies, but I'm like, no, really, she's got like this staff in her hand and she's climbing like Mount Everest, and like we all have this journey, and you are yeah. like this one woman backpack. I just picture you the strength of this, like <laughs> you've walked a mountain. I love that. You've real the strength that you have overcome and come out. So now you work. In a, you're not a therapist, but no. you work as a person who finds the therapist. Yes, and would you ever want to go back to talking no. to people? Okay, okay. <laughs> um, I love it. I love um, I love being in the clinical setting. I love the field of people that I work with. Um, it drains me to be in their position. Sure. Um, I love the position that I'm in where I talk to someone for maybe 10 minutes and find like a good fit for them and tell them too, if it's not a good fit, like come back to me. Like I would love to process with you and find a better fit for you. Um, but I just, I, it, it was too draining for me. And I think part of it was the, the clientele or the environment that I worked in. I always worked in hospital settings um, addictions clients people in crisis people in crisis um, which kept you on your feet I mean I kept you on your toes like you were always learning something which was thrilling but also just very draining but how awesome to recognize that and still find a fit within that field oh yeah that's so it wonderful. was it was meant to be that I ended up there for sure that's so great um and did you backing up way back did you grow up in a church or did you have faith as a part of your story yeah so um we grew up in an episcopal church um for most of my childhood my um dad's side of the family is very much episcopal um and that would be similar to lutheran yeah it's not comparable okay like it's like that middle ground between lutheranism and catholicism he's saying between lutheran and catholicism so so, yeah somewhere really close yeah so we we would go to church i wouldn't say that like my upbringing was never as involved in church as i envision it for my own children okay um i would i was never like in a youth group or um was part of like confirmation class. I don't remember it. Like at least it wasn't impactful yeah, to me yeah, in that yeah. way. Um, but we did we did go. And then when my parents separated and got divorced, my mom and I would bounce around to some churches. My dad and I would bounce around to some churches. So it wasn't like consistent of where I went. Um, and then I really didn't get back into my faith until going to college. I had this really things were starting to fall apart. And it was, I remember it so specifically, it was October of my freshman year of college. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And one of the girls on my floor, Ashley, um, was like, you should come to church with me. And I started going with her. She's still a really good friend of mine. Um, So in college? Yeah, in college. I mean, that is kind of unusual, I think. So it was a college church? Like where all It was a, well, so it was in Bloomington. So it's a college town, but it was kind of on the outskirts it wasn't right in campus so like you had you had to have a car to get there so it was kind of fine we always like counted on someone that was a little bit more senior to get us 
um, to the service. And um, we went to like a couple social things and I was still kind of like, I don't know if this is the right fit for me, but Ashley kind of always brought me back around to it, um, which was great. I mean, I could bounce ideas off of her and so questions. that's when you feel like you were like, yeah, yeah, I have a faith here. I yeah. have a, a belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now you say you have it different for your children. So you have a little girl and a little boy. Mm-hmm. My Natalie, who's 10, is in love with Haley. In fact, she said, <laughs> will you please take a picture of Miss Allison tonight? Because I want to see if she resembles her daughter. Like she probably doesn't even know what you look like because all she cares about is Haley. She's, <laughs> She's Haley. always like, is Haley at church? That's I will go funny. to church if Haley's at church. That's hilarious. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Haley and Owen, um, they're great. Uh, Haley is two and a half and Owen is almost 16 months. Um, I envision for them to be more involved. I want them to, like, I love seeing that they go up for, well, Haley goes up for children's message. I don't remember our church doing that when I was growing up, like a children's message. Maybe they did. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. But um, I love seeing that. I love seeing her go up there. And now she's getting a little bit more independent where we let her go by herself. Mm -hmm. And and it was, you know, last weekend or the weekend prior where there was the backpack blessing and like they go to daycare. So we had to take Owen with his backpack too, because, you know, his backpack needs to be blessed. And it was so cute to see like Haley up there and Owen and um, involved and um, feeling a little bit more comfortable. Um, I'm really excited for, I'm excited to grow my faith alongside them. There's a lot of questions I have Mm -hmm. about faith. And there's a lot of questions about Lutherism, Lutheranism, if that's the correct way to say it that I have because I didn't grow up Lutheran. Sure. Um, But I'm excited to learn that with my kids and tell them I don't know the answer. Like, let's go find out. Let's go have a conversation. Let's engage, you know. What um, things at this church do you connect to or do you feel like have been of service to you or that you participate in? Yeah, um, music. I don't participate in it, um, but I love the music. celebration band is like huge to me i it's so funny because when we don't make it to church because two kids under two at one point yep um i would play church i would stream it and then Haley would probably make it through just the music but we would be dancing to the music we'd be singing to the music um and it just really draws me back um, because for a long time I went to non-denominational churches. So like the more contemporary music really draws me in. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And I love the Bible studies. Um, Graham and I had a Bible study for a short period of time before kids. And then I got involved with the mom's, uh, morning Bible study. Was that with Kelly Volan? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and I loved that. And then I got a job and now I can't go, but I, I loved being able to experience connecting with other moms and talking about faith and spirituality. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Allison, you are so beautiful and articulate. Oh, this you. has been a real joy. What else should I ask? Because I just feel like you've given us such a gift today. I don't know. I feel really honored that you even oh, shared. Yes. I'm super offended she didn't say my sermons were right. Her sermons <laughs> weren't. Sorry. She didn't say they Pastor do. Ryan's sermons. <laughs> no, she said that first. It was cutting. Talking. It was cutting out. <laughs> you just missed it. <laughs> No, I, I, I'm very proud of you for sharing you. your story. So. Yeah, you're beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you so much. You guys, say hi to Allison when you see her. Yes, and if see. anybody wants to come on, pretty please, you can reach out. We've got Alan Jacobs, our church council oh, chair. chair president. I'm the president. Oh, sorry. He's the chair. And then Karen Linflot's coming up. So you can look forward to those people. But if you want to come on, we would love to have you and share your story and be brave like Allison. Yeah, you can do it. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.